listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show. And we've got a great show lined up today. We've got a guest on the phone, uh, Jeff Mall, and we've got Steve at the round table, Jim at the round table. Both of them are drinking what is it, 90 octane, something like that? 93. 93 octane. I, just, buy, I buy the cheap stuff, though. Just, just to keep them vertical. <laughs> yeah, well, I, Jim's I, is probably synthetic, and yours is uh, what they left in the barrel, right? Yeah, I go to the cheap places. The cheap places. That's yeah. all right. It's all, it all goes out. Jeff, good morning. Well, good morning. How are you guys this morning? Oh, well, as Jim said, we're all vertical, and at our age, that's a good sign. Yep. Yeah. That's always a plus. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's why we call this the classic car show. We could just call it the car show, but that would mean we were sort of young, so that we're we're all classic. But you called me a streamliner last week. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Today we're going to be talking about Priuses, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a new Prius out, the Prius 3 or 4 or or 8 or 20 or 6 or something. I don't know. Well, well anyway, we're yeah. glad to have Jeff with us today, yes. and uh, should be a great show. Well, yeah. uh, Jeff's got quite a background. Uh, Jeff, t- t- tell us just a little bit before we go into the main body. Your grandfather had the Thomas Flyer, correct? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Actually, it's uh, great grandfather George Schuster. Okay, and uh, for those who might remember the movie The Great Race with Tony Curtis and Natalie Wood and Peter Falk back in the 60s. Uh, that was the Hollywood version of a race that actually occurred. And uh, it was at a time when, of course, roads were non-existent. Uh, and the premise was simple. They were going to drive from Times Square to the Eiffel Tower. And uh, in the end, they actually accomplished it. And a record that still uh, still stands today. And that was 1908, right? That's correct. That's correct. It was uh, actually an international competition involving Germany, Italy, France, and at the very last moment, the United States. And that wouldn't have happened uh, were it not for President Teddy Roosevelt, who decided that he wasn't going to have Europeans racing horseless carriages across the U.S. without an American team present. So it was sort of a last-minute thing, but he was able to encourage uh, E.R. Thomas to enter car. And uh, the day before the race, the American Thomas Flyer showed up at the starting line, and 169 days later won that race for the United States. Yeah, I, I, I've known Jeff for quite a while, and, and uh, he does. If you ever get a chance... Uh, to to experience his one man show, uh, I I don't know how many times I've seen it, and it's and it's different. He actually, and he doesn't want to brag about, it, but he grew up with his great grandfather, so uh, he heard all of these stories firsthand, and uh, uh, so this is this is what happened. 
and and he sort of transitions into his his uh, great grandfather, and and uh, uh, tells the story as if it were happening now, and he does a, an absolutely fabulous job of, of of this stuff. And I don't know, I I can't even tell you the number of times I've been, Jeff. Uh, Jeff, well, where do you usually do your show at? One of the tours. Well, uh, a lot of times it's at the tours. Uh, um, oftentimes it might be at museums and uh, and gathering of car groups. But uh, it's it uh, is a program that really tries to bring bring to light some of the history and the fact that it wasn't always jumping into a car and turning on the XM radio and punching the cruise control and off you go. And I think really? a lot of people, huh. especially the younger generation, has <laughs> kind of missed out on that. Yeah. And this makes that connection, and I think every time the, uh, the audience gets behind the wheel after hearing what it was really like in 1908, kind of takes a little different view of what driving is all about. Yeah, and 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 some of the little parts of the story are absolutely fabulous. The the uh, uh, just I don't want to go through the whole thing, but my one of my favorite ones is when they get to Alaska and they think they're going to drive across the Bering Strait. <laughs> How goofy were these guys? Well, and that kind of gives you an idea of what their notion of geography in the world was like in 1908. But the uh, the I guess for lack of a better word, Yankee ingenuity that was throughout the race. And it wasn't just the American team. I mean, the Italians and the Germans and the French all exhibited some extraordinary out-of-the-box thinking. But uh, when they got to Alaska, of course, they found 14 feet of snow, and the Thomas Flyer weighed 5,000 pounds and was on balloon tires. And the race organizers thought that uh, you'd be able to just drive on this magical crust of snow that would form and uh, <laughs> so just drive across Alaska. <laughs> well, of course, even horse-drawn sleighs and dog sleds couldn't make it. So um, the plan was to actually literally dog sled the 5,000-pound Thomas Flyer across Alaska, across Bering Strait, in pieces that weighed no more than 600 pounds. And then when they got to the frozen uh, tundra of Siberia, George would uh, simply put the pieces back together <laughs> in the shape of a Thomas Flyer and drive <laughs> off to the Eiffel Tower. Where do these guys get these ideas, you wonder? Yeah, yeah, and they... Uh, well, probably another good example is the Italians, who were the youngest team. They were all teenagers, and the oldest was in his early 20s. And for them, this was a great romantic adventure. And uh, they got to Siberia, and they spun a crank bearing. Well, of course, there was no FedEx or you know, <laughs> parts store that you could run to and get a get a new uh, bearing. So uh, they built a campfire in Siberia. And in the sand, they pressed in the old bearing, and then they took the bullets from their rifle, <laughs> And over the campfire, they melted the bullets, poured it into that sand mold, and then hand-filed it true enough to put it back on the crank. Yeah, and there's a... They drove to yeah. Paris. Fabulous story. Now, there's a couple good books about this, too. You you, you were involved in one, but there were, there was a couple, I mean, real long, long books about this, this whole adventure. Do you know who they are at the top of your head? Yeah, well, 
Uh, actually, there's a list of them on the uh, New York to Paris race website. The the ad, the URL for that is thegreatautorace.com. And um, actually, Great Grant did a book in the 60s and detailed, uh, you know, day by day the route from New York to Paris. And at the time of the race, actually the year after in 1909, the E.R. Thomas Company <coughs> did a book which was more of a uh, sales piece, but it included uh, a lot of the photos. And uh, actually, this race was considered one of the best documented events in the early 1900s because really? the New York Times co-sponsored it. So the um, 1908 race was actually front page news on the New York Times for six months. And mm. a first use of an embedded reporter, what today we would call an embedded reporter, a New York Times correspondent sat in the back seat of the Thomas Flyer around the world, and his job was to take five photographs per day and telegraph a story back to New York where it was front page news the next morning. And um, so those, as a result of that, there were almost a thousand photographs taken during the race, and cool. those have all been cool. preserved, so Wonderful. that was part of that book, that 1909 book. Let me tell you how professional, though, that Jeff is with this, and just a quick quick aside to this. One of the early ones he did, I was involved with at the uh, uh, Reliability, the Brass Car Tour in Chattanooga, and he, he came up to do this, and, and, and uh, we were setting up for the performance that evening, and the wireless microphone quit, and this is this, you know... Uh, this is how professional he is. I had to scrounge around until I was finally found somebody that would trade six cases of moon pies for a microphone setup. Now, now that just doesn't happen in the real entertainment world. Why did you six cases? <laughs> six cases of moon pies. Good lord! <laughs> yes, and, and I've never been able to look at a moon pie quite the same way after that. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked, and we got it done. Jeff, anyway, Jeff, or go ahead. I'm no, no, good, good, Dave. I, I was just going to ask you. You sort of segue into it when you said you can go to the URL. Well, that brings you into the uh, 21st century. I was just wondering, with the Thomas Flyer, there was probably nothing to it as far as driving, and the driver could literally take his iPhone and probably do text messages just about any time. Would that be accurate? Well, you know, when you talk about technology, the navigation was a huge problem. There were no... No GPS? And, of course... No road signs and um, no roads. <laughs> no, no roads. There was only 110 miles of paved roads in the United States in 1908, and most of those were in cities. But to give you an idea of navigation, they would, especially in the U.S., they would have a pilot car, often a local car that knew the trail, and literally it was a trail. Um, and so they would go out ahead of the car, and where there was a turn in the road. Um, it was common practice, not only during this race, but uh, other early races, that the pilot car would spread confetti on the road to indicate where the turn was. And um, when they got into Asia, they bought a map, uh, George bought a map that uh, uh, in Vladivostok, and still have that map today, but 
to give you an idea of the uh, detail on the map, the uh, right-hand side of the map was Asia, the left-hand side of the map was Europe. And so you've got basically the outline of the continents, but nothing too much in between. <laughs> so they were often lost, and uh, George actually built himself a sextant, just like a ship captain would use. And um, he used that to kind of determine where where he was at any given time. And of course, that was only a rough approximation. So between the language barriers, um, they couldn't speak Russian or Chinese uh, in many of the areas that they went through. So they had to resort to sign language and finger pointing and kind of shrug shoulders to uh, even decide uh, where <laughs> where the next turn was going to be, much less how to get to Paris. It was a constant struggle uh, all the way around the world. But uh, the fact that they were able to persevere did a couple of things for the early car manufacturers. Prior to 1908, automobiles cost more than houses, uh, $5,000 the Thomas Fire cost, and very comparable to Pierce Arrows and the other hand-built, made-to-order cars that were common at that time. And the, uh, the general consensus was that the automobile was uh, simply a toy for the rich. Uh, the rich never actually drove. E.R. Thomas, who owned the company that built the car, never drove a car in his life. He always <laughs> had a chauffeur, and that was pretty common uh, in those days. Most owners never drove their car. They would have a chauffeur. And um, they, the fact that there were no snow plows, antifreeze hadn't been invented, meant that most cars ended up in the horse stable or the garage for the winter time and weren't taken out till spring. So as looking at reliable transportation, if you wanted to go any distance between point A and point B, the automobile definitely wasn't even on the list. It would either be a horse or the locomotive. Well, in 1908, after the completion of this race, millions of people around the world, not just in the United States, but suddenly took a look at the automobile and thought, wow, you know, you can, you can actually drive from New York City uh, to San Francisco. You can cross the United States in the wintertime, which yeah. was just a phenomenal achievement. Actually, George was the first person to ever drive across the United States in the winter. Mm. Uh, six people had done it earlier, uh, but those were all during summer, summer weather. Jeff, and, uh, Jeff, I'm going to have to interrupt you there, and we're up against a hard break. You got it. If you'll stay with us, we'll be back right after this. Are you into classic cars? Do you own a classic car? If so, you need to know J.C. Taylor Insurance, the absolute best place in the country for classic car insurance. They own classic cars, they support the industry, and have the best prices bar none. Go to jctaylor.com, get a quote, and tell them you heard about them on Radio Sandy Springs. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. 
on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we do thank you for listening to America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show. And our guest today is Jeff Mall. And, Jeff, um, I apologize for having to interrupt you, but uh, had to take that break for J.C. Taylor. No problem at all. Uh, J.C. Taylor is a fine company. and They go back a few years themselves. Yes, they do. Uh, before we fin- before we get into X Cup, I I know uh, and and I, I I'm dead serious, uh, everybody, that if you get a chance to see Jeff's show on the Great Race, by all means go. It's just wonderful. You also do another show about George Schuster's involvement well, with. Well, let me interrupt you. A second. Okay. Jeff, have you got a schedule of where you're going to be doing the shows in the next <coughs> uh, two or three yes, months? Yes, as a matter of fact, it's on that website, uh, thegreatautorace.com, and uh, under Centennial Events, uh, I think we're going to be doing one for the, uh, uh, actually for the Horseless Carriage Club up in New Hampshire, and um, a couple of other spots at along the, Glidden, the way. So. At the, you're going to do the Glidden Tour? No, not this year. I'm uh, going to miss that, but uh, Glidden Tour is certainly uh, uh, one of the events that goes way back. Uh, as a matter of fact, George ran in the 06, the 07, and the 09 Clinton Tour. So he uh, he actually drove in those three tours. And of course, the 06 was one of the very early ones, but uh, certainly was a predecessor to the uh, 08 New York to Paris race. Well, what about the? T- let do, I know because you do this show about the Glidden tours. You know, I, I give us a little history on the Glidden and what your what what uh, your great grandfather was involved in the Glidden because the Glidden is one of the oldest. They say the reliability is the the reliability tour is the oldest continuous car tour. It'd been done more times. I think it was oh three or oh four, and then the Glidden. Uh, right, right. The Glidden, of course, was uh, inaugurated by Charles Glidden, who made his fortune um, with Alexander Graham Bell. Not the paint guy. No, no, it's not the paint guy. He's, <laughs> he's the telephone guy. And uh, actually established um, telephone service in New England and did quite well uh, with that. But his, his love was for... Uh, automobiles and actually he toured extensively around the world uh, with his personal car but the manufacturers certainly Thomas included saw the Glidden tours being a great way to introduce the automobile to the American public and um, again you have to kind of change your whole mindset because today we think of the automobile as just part of life most of us would be really hard pressed if, if we lost our automobile 
and uh, that wasn't the case in, in the early 1900s. So uh, the manufacturers were eager to uh, get involved in this, and certainly um, E.R. Thomas Company up in Buffalo, New York, saw the advantages. And uh, in the early days, uh, the tours became increasingly longer, and the 09 was run out west. It was the first time that the Glen Tour had been run west of the Mississippi River. And of course, now this was, remember, 09 was a year after the New York to Paris race. But the organizers were really reluctant to um, go west of the Mississippi uh, for a couple of reasons. First off, the lack of roads. And uh, that was one case where the confetti came into play often because you had all of these Glidden cars and, and no road signs. And uh, they actually thought that the buffaloes in, um, in the northern part of the route, the northwestern part of the route, that the herds of buffalo would interfere too much with the race, so they were reluctant to do it uh, for fear of traffic jams caused by buffaloes. Oh, yeah. Things have changed quite a bit. Yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty weird. I didn't know that part. Well, they, uh, the tours, of course, uh, still go on today, and they're alternated between um, uh, VMCCA and, and AACA. And uh, fortunately for that, that, that part of history lives on. And it really parallels the history of, of the great race, uh, of course the first one being 08, but the modern version of the great race really has been going on every year for the last 30 years, and uh, they've done routes from Canada to Mexico and been in every state uh, of the uh, yeah. Union um, with the nine-day, it's, it's now become a nine-day event, and usually covers a little over 2,000 miles. Last year was 2,300 miles from uh, St. Louis to Santa Monica along Route 66, which I think by anybody's standard is a real bucket list event. And uh, this year is going to be from San Francisco to Chicago along the old Lincoln Highway, which ironically was that route was uh, portions of it the exact same route that was used in 1908 for the New York to Paris race? Didn't you didn't you organize a a sort of a, a modern great race going across going at, across Europe and all that stuff too? If I remember uh, right, yes. As a matter of fact, uh, that was in uh, 2011. Uh, we started in Times Square and we finished uh, at the Eiffel Tower. And uh, that was sort of the modern version of it, but it wasn't the exact route that was taken in, in 1908. We actually dipped a little bit south uh, going across um, Asia. And um, uh, in 2018, the 110th anniversary of the New York to Paris race, uh, plans are coming together now um, to actually do it again. But this time it will be along the, as close as possible the exact route that was taken in 1908. So it's going to be through the more northern, more remote regions of Siberia and Manchuria. Really? So hmm. that that'll be uh, well, that'll be quite a quite a trek. If I have my Thomas done, I'll go. 
Please do. Yeah, yeah. you'd be great. <laughs> we'll put you right up on point because you you're, you know how to use a sextant. <laughs> I know what about sex? <laughs> uh, no, but it, it should be uh, should be pretty pretty interesting, Ryan. Yeah, I, I'm sure. How many guys? How many cars completed this last well, of course one? Well, it's did? still in the early stages. No, but the last one that you did. Oh, the last one. Well, crossing the United States, there were, I guess, at one point, uh, 18 or 19 cars uh, that made it across the U.S. The oldest one was a. Uh, 1916 Studebaker, and uh, that made it made it across the U.S. And uh, uh, there were four that actually finished uh, the race. Well, it wasn't really a race; uh, it was more to commemorate the original 08 race. And the the oldest one there was 1928 Model A Speedster. Then there was a 67 uh, Volkswagen Beetle, looked just like Herbie the Love Book had. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that vintage car cool. looked to it. And yeah. then there was a 32 Ford Coupe, and the newest one uh, that uh, made the entire route was a 2007 uh, Chevy Corvette that was set up for multi-fuel. <coughs> and it ran on diesel and propane and gasoline. And uh, at one point, um, Smirnoff had given us some, uh, some vodka and we actually ran that Corvette on vodka and got better mileage than we did on gasoline. <laughs> it's a little more expensive to fill up. Well, and of course we had to sample the vodka to be sure. That I'm sure you adequate. did. I'm, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> you did. Jeff has a couple old cars himself. He has a very nice Model A truck that he takes on tours. Good. That, that he goes with. Uh, Jeff, I, I, this is a little non-related, but isn't there a vintage motorcycle run on the route that Cannonball Baker took to? Does that parallel some of your things? Well, yeah. The um, uh, the Cannonball, uh, matter of fact, that's that's one of the things that um, often encounter when we when we talk about the modern great race. And uh, anytime you say the word uh, automobile race transcontinental especially that's the first thing that comes to mind is, is the old cannonball runs and even some of the modern ones but um, the uh, organized races of course you you can't just go uh, across the U.S. at those speeds and um, expect to be able to, to uh, get sure away on skates so, <laughs> sure uh, you can well <laughs> you're, you're, you're a great American race that, that is coming up this summer um, is a time speed distance rally type thing, isn't it? That's correct, and yeah. that's perfectly okay. As a matter of fact, uh, great race under the rules. The course is set up, and, and again, this is a, is a nine day event. Um, we stop in eighteen major cities uh, during this race, and um, uh, very well planned, very well organized. The difference between a rally and, a, and what we would think of as like a cannonball run is the fact that the rally is all about precision, teamwork, and the speeds are actually set at five miles per hour below the posted speed limit. A simple reason for that is you get a speeding ticket and you're going to be disqualified. So if you get behind, you know, maybe a school bus or a farm run or something like that, everything depends on 
very precisely covering that course in an allotted amount of time. And if you're off, and this is measured in seconds, um, you're penalized for that. And it's always cumulative. A lot of times people think, well, gee, you know, if you come in, say, 30 seconds light on a lake, uh, the next day you just come in 30 seconds early and that washes it out. Well, it doesn't. It actually adds. So whether it's negative or positive off of zero time, which is established by a car that's all set up with computers running that course three times uh, prior to the race to establish zero time, um, the one coming closest to zero is the winner of the race. So um, you can't use cell phones, you can't use GPS, you can't use any of the technology. You're limited to your driver instructions or navigator instructions, and really it's the navigator who wins the race because the driver is just there, both hands on the wheel and focused on the uh, speedo, which is a very accurate speedometer to the nearest hundredth of a mile per hour, and um, giving instructions to the driver. And it's you know, well, that Jeff, we're going to have to take another break. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back with Jeff Mall and the Classic Car Show right after this. Some water. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. We've got Jeff Mall talking to us about racing, the great race. The great race. Yes. Well, Jeff, um, let's get into the, if you will, 
Uh, tell everybody where they can find out more about your, your the history and the great race and the Glidden and all this stuff. Your website again? Uh, the website is thegreatautorace.com. And that's for the 1908 and the historic part of Great Race. And, of course, uh, as I mentioned before, we'll be talking about the current Great Race. And uh, that's a different website. And their address is simply greatrace.com. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it really it really is. Anyway, let's get into to one of the things that are both both yours and my passion is getting younger people involved in this. And part of the the great race is the X Cup. And the X Cup has to do with uh, high school and college level kids participating in the great race, but not to the same level. As the people who come in with the you know the the full rally equipped type cars and all this kind of stuff, so I'm going to let you tell everybody about the X Cup because you know much more about it than I do, and you've been involved in it and been a big proponent of this and making this whole thing grow. So we'll let you tell everybody about the uh, the uh, X Cup part of the Great Race. Well, X X Cup uh, uh, the premise is really pretty simple. I think that we all realize, uh, anybody who's in the hobby, realizes the importance of engaging uh, young people. And sometimes that that's quite a challenge because uh, today for youngsters it, it seems that um, if it's technology and if it's something that you can do with your Xbox in front of a TV, uh, it's pretty hard to get them to break away from that. But um, the thing that we kind of discovered along the way, and there's been lots of attempts, and certainly, Steve, I know you've been very involved for a long time in getting young people um, at least familiar with old cars. And uh, we thought, well, there might be something to taking it a step farther. And uh, as a result of that, the notion came, and, and really it's been going on for several years now, involving high school and college kids in competition, and that we found to be a key word. I've been to uh, several college campuses, and, as well as high schools, that have automotive programs. And uh, that's kind of a great group to work with, because these, these kids have already uh, kind of indicated a direction that they're very interested in. And, uh, of course, many of them are more of what we would consider the more modern cars, the 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, you know, and for these kids, uh, an 80s or 90s car is old. But um, <laughs> the thought of doing uh, competition, and that, as I said, is the key word. Uh, old cars have always always been cool to them. But uh, when you talk to them about the possibility of getting involved with old cars and a competition, and again, remember back to when you were in your teens and your 20s, the word competition had really a pretty special meaning to it, uh, that really captures their attention. Well, the, uh, the program has actually grown to the point where this year we'll have um, three high school teams and three college teams. Now, a little different than some of the other youth programs is that this involves a really uh, long-term 
very determined effort on the parts of the kids. And it involves starting, and I'll give you one example, uh, high school in Arizona, Dysart High School, uh, actually started with a total rebuild of a 67 Cougar, and it was a frame loft restoration, and uh, really needed a lot of work. Uh, and what these kids did was, these high school kids uh, took this uh, car that the uh, Cougar that wasn't even in running condition and totally rebuilt that car with the help of um, a local organization down down in Arizona of uh, older um, members who actually uh, served as mentors through the restoration process as well as the uh, school uh, staff, uh, faculty members, and helping these kids. Now, this was all done in addition to their regular studies. And as a result of that, they, they've got that cougar all ready to go, and it'll be heading up to um, San Rafael, which is just outside of San Francisco. Uh, that'll be the start for this year's great race. Um, Alfred State, another perfect example. College program uh, up in western New York uh, offers uh, associate degree, and actually they have a bachelor's program uh, that goes on uh, in automotive-related um, degree program, and last year was their first year, their rookie year, and they entered a 1953 Dodge Power Wagon, which was set up as a wrecker. Now, if you don't think that was a head-turner when that mm -hmm. came through the, the finish line each after each day's run, uh, and these kids actually brought that uh, Dodge out of the weeds that had been sitting on campus in a back lot for over 15 years, hadn't even been run, and uh, the kids brought it into the shop, totally rebuilt it, and made the run from um, St. Louis to Santa, Santa Monica last year. High school, another high school was running a, um, uh, a Buick convertible, 53 Buick out of Ponca City, Oklahoma, and uh, they did amazingly well last year, winning their division and to give you a little bit of an idea of how close this competition is, they ran the entire 2,300 miles, nine days, and they were under three minutes off of a perfect zero time uh, for that wow. that total uh, total run, which is phenomenal. They came in 18th overall, and there were uh, just uh, they were actually about 120 teams last year, so that meant that they bested uh, over, um, well, nearly 100 uh, other teams, and many of those teams were very seasoned uh, adult teams. So uh, these kids are really, really showing uh, some real involvement and, and commitment to this, and uh, as a matter of fact, last year, uh, for that first place team for Ponca, we, uh, we got to Santa Monica and of course, the adults, there's cash prizes in it for the adults, but the students uh, don't get, they get a big trophy, but that's about it. And I thought, well, gee, we really got to do something for this first-place team. So uh, we were about 45 miles from Burbank, and uh, I was able to arrange for them to go and, and visit Jay Leno's garage. And uh, I'll tell you that for those boys uh, visiting Jay Leno's garage, 
20, 30 years from now, that will still be fresh in their memory where any prize money would have long since been probably spent. So um, uh, these kids uh, are, are seeing a, an experience in their teens and their 20s that uh, most of us put on our bucket list for when, when we become retired. Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the keyword boys. What about girls? There are girls, and uh, and I, I uh, it was kind of interesting. Well, one of the schools, <clears throat> and of course there aren't there aren't a lot of gals uh, involved in the automotive programs as you might might expect, but uh, uh, on all of the campuses I have seen girls involved in the program, although. There hasn't been yet. Now, this year that may change, but there hasn't been yet. Well, and I should back up a little bit. Yes, there have been girls involved on the teams, but um, in the ones that I referred to, um, they were they were all guys on the team. But in one of the uh, early ones that I went on campus for, I noticed this one, one gal was in the program and the rest of the room was filled with boys. And... Um, I spoke with the professor afterwards, and I said, well, um, you know, with, with this one young lady in, in the program, how, how is she doing? And uh, he said, boy, uh, the guys know that when it comes to paint and color and finish on a car, she can do better than, than any of them um, in automotive refinishing. And uh, she said, or he said that she certainly can hold her own um, right along with the guys and had earned their respect. So, uh, yes, the ladies are, are doing quite well in these programs and, and are really coming on strong. And um, this year, uh, I, I know for a fact we're going to see two two young ladies involved in the Exco program, and, and um, the teams haven't been finalized yet. They won't be until the 1st of June, but uh, there may well be more. You know, Jeff, you mentioned something, the uh, Dodge Power Wagon. I've been fortunate that I got to drive one more times than I wanted to and loaded with stuff in the back that I really was not. Uh, my my uncle owned a big ranch, and uh, he, one of my jobs was cleaning out the uh, feed pens after uh, a summer of letting it stack up, and we used the Dodge Power Wagons. But I was just thinking, I wonder how many kids today... A Dodge Power Wagon, you don't just jump in it and drive. You better know a little bit about what you're doing. And and, uh, talking about a true four-wheel vehicle, that is it. And for them to restore it, and I was sitting here wondering, I wonder how many kids today, one out of a hundred, one out of a thousand, that could even drive a Dodge Power Wagon? Well, that's why I say this this whole experience um, not only engages the kids and, and the four three or four, generally these teams are about three or four uh, that actually make the race, but uh, preparing the vehicle involves dozens back on campus. And, uh, and of course, they keep in touch with everybody back home with Facebook and all of the things that uh, the kids are into today. So it becomes a campus-wide effort. And uh, the faculty is on board. As a matter of fact, the president of the... Um, uh, actually, it's the State University of New York College at Alfred, SUNY Alfred, um, flew from Buffalo out to um, uh, one of the city stops that we made 
and simply to uh, buy his team a steak dinner and to offer encouragement on the race. Now, cool. when you have a college president supporting the team to that degree, um, you have to believe that, uh, that the college sees this as being a very important event, uh, not only for the students, but uh, for, the, for the college as well. So it's, uh, it's right up along there with the football teams and everything else. This, this, these uh, young people are representing their school. That's one of the things I was going to, to talk about when we get back after the break. We'll be back with Jeff right after this. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And thank you for listening, and we want to thank our special guest today, Jeff Mall. Doing a fantastic job, Jeff, and we certainly do appreciate uh, everything. By the way, I, I was just curious: Are you coming to Atlanta anytime and putting on your uh, show here? Uh, nothing uh, currently in the Atlanta area. Although uh, maybe sometime I can get down that way with uh, with Steve's uh, invitation. So uh, we'll keep that in, in the uh, bucket list. Let me throw something out here. Um. PBS, as sometimes, you know, an evening with um, an author or discussion, has anybody ever entertained you going on PBS and maybe doing a, a documentary of this? Um, no, I can't say that that's, uh, that uh-huh. that's happened, and yeah. uh, although I think it might uh, might be uh, good content for a show like that. And, yeah. Uh, Certainly, it's an effort to bring history up to date and kind of make the connection maybe, with. Maybe uh, where we can we get you today. on the view. So maybe that'd be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can get you on the view. What do you think? <laughs> What's the view? 
I, I, I'm not quite sure <laughs> if they would even know what a Dodge Power Wagon was. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, but anyway, one of the things that I do want to mention, and and the thing that 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 gets me to to be a proponent of this is Jeff sort of hit on a little bit, and I want to get into a little bit of other stuff. Is that you know you, you sort of think that that this these four kids that are driving the car, these four young people are driving this car. That's what it's all about. What they don't understand, and a lot of people don't, and Jeff and I know have talked to groups of these kids, is saying that you represent other kids throughout the country. You become a role model for other people that are thinking about this. And to me, that this is more important than the the small core group that's driving the car. I I think that's where the 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 big benefit to the hobby is that they become representatives for other people. Yeah, uh, Jeff, can I can I put something on top of that? Uh, do you have anyone? Uh, uh, Jim brought up PBS. Do you have anyone that's filming this as you all go along that you could do? Uh, the thing that would be perfect <laughs> for this and would get the kids is if you had this uh, a continuation on YouTube, constantly updating and and using the social media and and YouTube, which every kid in the world knows about well that's an excellent suggestion as a matter of fact great race does do does have a film crew that accompanies this and there is a uh, a video on x cup specifically on x cup and again uh, going to the um greatrace.com website and x cup actually you can get directly to x cup greatrace.com slash x dash c-u-p X Cup, and um, uh, there's some videos on there, and the, one of them videos is actually the Dysart uh, rebuild of the Cougar is on there, and um, uh, the overview kind of, of of the program itself. But uh, yes, very good idea, and and the matter of fact, with that suggestion, uh, we're going to see if we can do more of that uh, this uh, this summer. It's it's kind of interesting too, and I watch uh, each night. There's a park for May at whatever city we happen to be at, and it's always a major city at the evening stop. And it's kind of interesting to watch the newscast uh, crews going down through, and they'll be having their camera panning. And there's a lot of fabulous cars uh, in this event. Uh, there was a Bugatti last year, and uh, a lot of Model A's, and even Volkswagens. But uh, it was kind of interesting when the film crew and the reporter got to the X-Cup teams. Of course, these young people represent a story that uh, reporters love to cover because many times young people, the story isn't so good. But uh, here they've got young people that are um, involved in a very uh, very good, uh, healthy competition and um, right among adults. So it does show that uh, this interaction between adults and, and teenagers and early 20s is alive and well. And the reporters will always take their microphone out when they get to these kids. Oh, yeah. One story that was particularly interesting, uh, we were coming through Lake Havasu in Arizona last year, and I remember taking a picture of the bank clock. It was 107 degrees at 10 o'clock oh. in the morning. And um, I was talking with the offered power wagon team, and I was talking with them that evening, and I said, well, how was it out there? And, of course, the power wagon is is hot to begin with, and uh, they were trying to get every bit of ventilation they could, but they said that 
uh, at one point it was 140 degrees inside that cab Whoa. and they had to wear gloves in order to hold on to the steering wheel uh, so they they certainly had their stories to tell uh, from this race but but they persevered and, and that power wagon made it to the uh, Santa Monica Pier in the finish line cool so uh, certainly proving that uh, these kids had the endurance and the ambition that's needed for, a, for an event like this. Well, it, they probably learned a lot about vapor lock on that trip, too. Well, that's why it's, that's why it's called Park Fume, because yeah. of the exhaust fumes. Yeah. You didn't know that, did yeah, you? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. I, All right. Is there anything that, the, that, that, that people listening can do to to uh, support this and not just monetarily maybe that's always a good thing or what can the average guy do I mean we we have quite a few listeners here that that uh, are car guys and what can they do to to help promote this to promote the teams to work with the teams to get them to do something well there's several things the first thing is is uh, certainly to come out and the the route is published uh, on greatrace.com. We start in San Rafael. We'll be at Reno, uh, Elko, Nevada, Evanston, Wyoming, Rapid City, South Dakota, Cheyenne, Wyoming, Sioux Falls, Cedar Rapids, and we finish the race in Moline and with stops in between for lunch. But those are the um, Park for May stops. Uh, certainly coming out and visiting with the teams and, and, of course, seeing all of the cars. This is sort of like a rolling museum car show uh, with the sure there will be over 120 cars involved. But the other thing is something that uh, AACA has taken the initiative on, and uh, certainly the 60,000 members of AACA have really stepped uh, stepped up to the plate in showing their support for these young people. And uh, last year and again this year, uh, AACA is sponsoring three $1,000 grants to three of the teams. And um, this actually will take the form of the debit card that the team faculty member receives at the start of the race in San Francisco and covers a lot of the gas and miscellaneous expenses. But more importantly is a um, new scholarship program. And uh, for the young people, this is an extraordinary opportunity. Um, the AACA is sponsoring, and it's a... Um, uh, it's a 501c3 scholarship program, and, and it's actually the AACA XCUP Scholarship Fund, and it's administered by AACA National Headquarters uh, in Hershey. Now, there is a brochure on the uh, XCUP Scholarship and Grant Program on that um, Great Race um, slash XCUP website. You'll see at the last tab says Brochure Download. And it'll actually give the address. Now, the way the scholarship works is different from most scholarship programs. It's awarded uh, according to the order of finish to those students who are continuing their advanced automotive education. So, you know, there are a lot of college programs that are great, but really uh, the ones that are important to this program are those that are continuing and going to make uh, automotive careers their, their future. And the grant is actually sent to the student's faculty or to the student's finance office and for the benefit of the student. So we know that, you know, the, the um, check isn't going for things other than tuition. Budweiser. All of those things. But, uh, yes, uh, individuals certainly and groups. Uh, any group, uh, 
uh, and regions have have uh, contributed to this. And this scholarship fund will be awarded at the conclusion of each year's race, and it's divided up according to the order of finish for those students who are going on for automotive studies. Cool. That's great. I think it's a it's a wonderful program and deserves everybody's support. It, would you be possible maybe for you to what you're going to be with going to these things to call in one Saturday morning when you're when the great race is going on and we can talk to some of the the, the people and the kids and yourself and what's going on with this at real time. Yeah, the uh, well actually uh, they start because the start is spaced at one minute intervals. So we would be starting on West Coast time, which would be probably well past. Uh, your showtime on Saturday morning, but uh, we'll see if we can figure something out that might work. Uh, uh, well, we could even tape it, maybe. I would come in and I would come in with David, and we might even be able to tape it. That it, do something. Oh, now there's a possibility. Yeah, yeah, I'll be back with you uh, once we get a little closer. We'll try and figure something out to do that. But I think hearing from these kids, uh, especially, and I say kids, they're students, but for us, they're kids. Let's face it. Uh, really uh, an energizing experience and uh, certainly uh, always interesting to hear their enthusiasm and interest in it, particularly with the cars and, that they're And riding. if they need a riding mechanic, I'm available. <laughs> okay. So bring, along, bring along a big toolbox. For the, as, as a matter of fact, it worked so well for Alfred last year. This year they're adding a second team. Uh, they'll have the Power Wagon and the 1928 Ford Speedster. Oh, wow, Jeff, we got uh, we got about forty five seconds. If you want to wrap it up with how people uh, the websites again, any telephone numbers, anything that you want to wrap it up with. Uh, well, all of the information. If you're interested in the 08 history, it's thegreatautorace.com. And if you're interested in the current great race, uh, it's simply greatrace.com. And then to get the X Cup, it's greatrace.com slash X dash cup. And that'll get you where you need to go. And all of the information, there's a blog there that will be day-by-day events for the race on greatrace.com. So you can get in on all of the action very easily. Jeff, we want to thank you for being on. If you don't mind, stay on, and we'll come back to you for just a second. We do appreciate you being on the Classic Car Show, and we look forward to uh, keeping updates on it. We'll be back next week with more on the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.